We ready? Dun, 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 dun. Hey kids, comics! And this is your host, Andrew Leyland and Michael Leyland. So you still have not found those files? Have I you? have not found the files, no. <laughs> They'll never know! Well, yeah, absolutely. We'll they, just keep will, storm about the whole thing. Yeah, they will never know that that was fake. Yeah? That was so convincing. Um, it was something. As to be like the real <laughs> Like the real thing, like, I think. It's, it's more real than the real thing. It is, as you two said, <laughs> even better than the real thing. Yeah. I think you'll agree. I didn't say better, I said real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. It is absolutely lovely to be back. Yeah. For the Hey Kids Comics... Easter special! Woo! It has. At least this year and last, it has been a thing. It has been a thing. Yeah, yeah. Haven't we done like a Christmas and Easter and a summer? So there's been some structure. Yes. If you want to call it that. I think it was more accidental than oh, <laughs> intentional. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. But, uh... <laughs> Floating my boat would do this more regularly. But, you know, you have a life. I do. Yes. How's it going? Uh, it's I, I'm battle hardened. Oh yeah, <laughs> battle hardened. I'm, I'm impressed with your quiff, man. It's it's going. It's, I mean, it could be whatever hairstyle I want. Oh, that's an impressive know, quiff. Yeah. I want that quiff. <laughs> I think it's great. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we're back for the Easter special, and it is grand to be here, is it not? Yeah. Michael dropped on us rather surprisingly that he was coming home for a few days. Yeah. Uh, and surprisingly, this was his idea. Yeah. It was his idea to do for Batman what we did for Superman, which yeah, is yeah. do an episode about... Well, what did we did? Well, with Batman, we did Bendis' Man of Steel, didn't we? For Superman. Superman, yes. sorry, yeah. yeah. And I misremembered, and I thought we did Action Comics 1000. No. Which we did not. We were going to do the Morrison yes. New 52, but then you changed your mind to... I changed my mind to be more up-to-date. Um, which ended up being a bit of a... Um, yeah. A poor choice in hindsight. In hindsight, yes. Perhaps I should have stuck with the original choice. Yeah. But anyway, today we will be... Hello, love. You have to join in. This is what the show is. Hey. There you go. It's like we never left. It's like we never left. <laughs> uh, today... Well, one of us didn't. Well, one of us didn't. Yeah. Uh, today we will be covering Action Comics 1000. No, we won't. Detective Comics 1000. <laughs> that was the mistake you made. Yesterday yes, as well. yes, twice in was. two minutes. We're going for a record. Yeah, but see, the the problem with this is I'm actually recording it, so my mistake is out there for the the nation, nay, the world, nay, the cosmos to hear. The cosmos has heard of editing. Oh. Yeah, but I don't edit this shit anymore. <laughs> right, okay. I just don't. I don't give a toss anymore. <laughs> actually, Michael barely texted me about that. Okay. I liked how when her kids' comics was a weekly thing, you were very concerned about what you said, and you were careful, and now you just don't give a shit. <laughs> have you have you ever listened back and you've just got to a point where like, oh bugger, right, I'll do that bit again, and just left that in? No, no, I've never done that. All as right, far okay. as I know, I have never done that. It's all right, we'll edit that, and then not edited it. I have heard that, yeah. on many a podcast, okay, but I don't believe I myself have any ever ever done it. Think, Anyone who's a, an ardent listener to the show who can point yeah. to me where I have I, done I, that, I think the, I think we have at least done it at least once. Yeah, but didn't we do it as a gag? No, It'll I, be fine. I, I'll edit that later. But yeah, I, I had no intention yeah. of editing it. <laughs> that's that's backpedalling. Oh, I, I never had any intention of. Oh. <laughs> no, it's, it's it was a, it was on purpose. It's, it's a record. <laughs> and as comic book readers. 
we are perfectly happy with the, the state of the record. I don't want to say purpose, per, like happy, but you well, know, it's, it's a thing. We're, we're mod- we are aware that the retcon exists, <laughs> yeah. and we are very well. Is it right, like we are comfortable that in, it exists. In the eighties, the people were living under fear of the bomb. Now we're living under fear of the retcon. <laughs> you know, there are so many things I wish I could retcon <laughs> in real life. Well, yeah. Anyway, we're going to cover Detective Comics 1000, that's what we're going to do. But first, we're going to scatter the many, many emails, well, two emails that we got throughout the show. Our first one is from Emmett Okwana. Welcome back, lads. Star Wars The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. Cheers for the chat. Emmett. Yeah, 100%. It is hard to disagree with that statement. Yeah, it is. Is it not? And the second email from Emmett and the Hellblazer issue was by the amazing John Smith from 2000 Eddie. Okay. I would love to remember what he's talking about. Uh, It's the issue, if memory serves me correctly, where John is waiting in the um, washing machine place, the laundromat, whatever it is. Okay. Back when those were a thing. Well, laundromats are still a thing, aren't they? Are they? Well, no one's that poor. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Thanks to... Thanks to... uh, Surely the prices would have Austerity gone. measures. We had a laundromat in uni, actually. You did have a laundromat. And that cost money, so I never did it, and I brought it here. Yeah, you used to just bring it back home. Yeah. But you came home a lot more back then, because that you is. didn't like your student digs. Well, that is true. Yeah. Now you're in your own student digs. So that's our first email. Thanks, mm. yeah. <laughs> We have another email later, which from Nathaniel Wayne. But we'll get to that, because Nathaniel is spectacularly wrong. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a tease. Someone's blown the load a bit early. Do you like that? Well, you know, that's what she said. Did you like that tease? It was a tease. How professional are we? On a scale of one to ten, I think Um, we are bringing up the negative numbers. That's that's not a question either of us want to be asking. (laughs) Anyway, other than Detective Comics 1000, what have you been enjoying in the comic book realm? Um... Oh, I think we had this conversation uh, last time. We did, but six months have gone by. Yeah. Um, or four months. So I've just had to drop a few things because um, I found out that water rates are a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, adults. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was I was quite enjoying The Dreaming, which was a sequel to Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to drop that because it was getting pushed to the back of my list. Um Spider-Man. Spider-Man's, Amazing Spider-Man's pretty good. Hunt um, it. Yeah, I've not oh, read any of that yet. so yeah. good. I think I've pr- picked up the, the road to on this pull list, but I've mm. not read it yet. Immortal Hulk's great. Immortal Hulk is brilliant. Justice League I'm reading, despite it feeling a bit stagnant. That Snyder? Yeah. Right. But the Batman Who Laughs is really good. Okay. Especially, uh, which I was really impressed with, was the Grim Knight one-shot. So you remember in Metal where each Batman had their own one-shot yeah. origin? Well, this one was the Grim Knight. He was basically Batman but the Punisher. Yeah. But that was really good with art by Eduardo Risso. Um, Justice League Dark, but I've dropped that. But that was, at one point, better than the main Justice League book. And Green Lantern, which is a 2000 AD book in all the right ways. It's <laughs> well, great. You, you've just lent me Green Lantern. Because yes. it's great to come to your house and lend comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock, Doomsday despite Clock. the delays, uh, I'm impressed with every time there's an issue. I, I enjoy Doomsday fantastic. Clock. Yeah, I didn't think I would enjoy Doomsday Clock. Yeah, back from when it was announced, it's just like, why are DC just like trying to bring Watchmen, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, but going into it open mind and it's just been fantastic all the way through. It's been very enjoyable. I, I like mime and the other guy. Yeah, I preferred the pirouette or whatever first half when it felt like a really slow burn and you were getting a lot out of it. It's now very action oriented now that there's three issues left. Yes, but and the be- delays are kicking in. Uh, yeah, six <laughs> weeks I think the next issue's been delayed by. Great. Uh, which is nothing on Batman Damned. Uh, the last issue having been pushed Isn't back. Batman Damned end up just being a massive farce? Uh, let's I... show Batman's cock! Oh! Um, let's run away from having shown Batman's cock! I, I think the, 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 the Batman Damned is a perfect example of how DC at the moment is a horrible, horrible company apart from the creative outgoings. <laughs> Say what you think. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they're putting out some really good stuff, but as a company themselves, they're just doing absolutely awful choices. Uh, the way they handled Batman Damned mm-hmm. with Jim Lee making a statement saying we, we we with these mature titles we want to treat these books differently and only have things that are additive to the story so in an adult book you can't have Batman getting dressed but on a mainstream title you can have Catwoman getting a tits out on the cover mm-hmm. um, uh, the way they've handled some of the oh uh, yeah so um, Dan DiDio said that they want to rethink the trade paperback reprint thing, how they do that. Um, and then in solicitations, oh, look, there's another reprint of Watchmen and Hush. On top but of... didn't Absolute Hush get cancelled? I own Absolute Hush. What Hush got cancelled? Hush Omnibus? Something like that. Yes, the one that contained the Heart of Hush and that. Oh, the Paul Dini stuff. Yeah, I think See, so. See, the thing I don't understand is that, why has Paul Dini never been given an Omnibus? You know, his Batman Adventures stuff and uh, his think, Detective Comics role. I think Streets of Gotham did, if that was him. Streets of Gotham, did that get an omnibus? It got a one collection. Right. But that's the thing. So DC is saying, like, they want to rethink how they're doing trades. So they'll reprint everything that they've already reprinted. But the definitive edition, the black and white edition, Noir. the no cock edition. <laughs> um, and yet, the Action Man edition. Yeah. So on the July solicitations that have just come out or whatever, they've um, on the which interest really excited me until I saw what it was. Um, Hitman is getting a trade. Yeah, but it's just sporadic issues. The best of, which is Hitman's a title that has never been reprinted. Yeah, they have. They've done. They've Hitman. never done all of it. Have yeah, they have. They've recently finished a complete trade right. run of okay. Hitman. Well, I know they've never they never finished reprinting things like Shade the Changing Man yeah. and that. And I've, did they finish printing? Not the demon. Um, uh, Starman. Did they finish Starman? The highly the acclaimed James Robinson one. Yeah, I think they knocked them on the head. Right, okay. Now, you can't blame them if they're not selling. So it's one of those things that it's hugely acclaimed by the people that have read it, but if it doesn't sell, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, it's just like, I don't know, we've, 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 we've gone massively left field here, but DC are just bizarre because the saying... They're either saying the right things and then doing a poor job of it, Mm-mm. or they're saying the awful things and doing a poor job of it. It's it's there's there's very little being on the same page mm. between Didio and Lee, um, and it's been quite interesting to see Jeff Johns take a major step back from being a vocal voice and just being a creative. He's going back to being a writer. Yeah, he's just writing. Instead of instead of being someone who says things and people do press releases like mm. Didio and Lee keep doing, he's, it's just been interesting to see him take a big step back and just be quiet and write his books. That's fair enough. When, you know, they decide to come out. 
Well, DC, I only read Batman. Yeah. Uh, and action and Superman. That's it. I see them too. I've dropped. I don't read anything else yeah. from DC. Uh, Marvel, I, uh, I'm loving the new Conan stuff. Yeah, isn't he a part of the Avengers now? Yes, but this isn't as awful as it sounds. Because they, they <laughs> did, as every great argument starts. <laughs> every great argument starts. They did used to have him integrated into the Avengers, into the regular Marvel universe. So, like, in a similar way to how, like, yeah. Godzilla fought in the, the 70s, Avengers, right? Yeah. Okay. So, it was a similar, yeah, exactly the same thing. Right. But it also meant that they couldn't reprint that stuff. Yes. But now they've got the rights to Conan back, they can reprint that stuff. Okay. So. So that's not as silly as it sounds. And um, Immortal Hulk, Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Foes. It's all right. Are you still reading that? Yeah, I kind of have to. Oh, oh, wait. oh okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a choice. I suppose where your allegiances lie. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm kind of forced into it. Um, and I, I don't think I'm reading anything else regularly, to be honest. Yeah. Other than Criminal, which continues a pace from Image and has some of the career best artwork of Sean Phillips' career. No, now he's on digital. Yep. Right, okay. And his son's colouring it now as well. And it used to be Elizabeth Ruitzer, who was really good. Yeah. But Sean's son, is it Jacob Phillips? Who always has a thing, when you see him at Cons, he always has a thing up saying, not Sean Phillips. Yeah. Because he looks just like his dad, which is always quite amusing. So Criminal is still absolutely fantastic. The okay, most yeah. recent issues, were this an ongoing concern, hmm. we would have covered the two most recent issues on the show. Right, okay. Which Because it's about a comic book writer who gets stuffed. Yes. Stick out. Yeah. So that was quite an interesting kind of metatextual Grant Morrisony type story. Yeah. Although Ed Brubaker insists that it's not based on one person in particular. There's lots of amalgamated yeah, people yeah, put into yeah. the story, so it's not. So he can't get sued, mm. basically. The, a lot of my favourite comics actually have been like social media stuff and web comics. Mm. Uh, there's been Stuart Immanum's doing one on Instagram. I thought he'd retired, or did he just retired from mainstream comics? No, yeah, probably, but he's, he's doing... Someone else is writing it, but it's it's very hard to read because he's utilising the three-image mm. per-post format. Um, and it's just... Like a daily strip? Yeah. Um, so the way Instagram works is like, so you do a post, but mm. you can have multiple images where you've got to swipe across. Uh, so I'm glad you're explaining Instagram to me. Well, yeah, because I know, you know, <laughs> old fogey you are. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but um, so he's using that, and it's like this weird kind of science fiction short stories that make a big story kind of thing. Uh, so that there's actually like sounds pretty cool. Astronauts who are talking birds and things like that, or people working on a mining ship. Uh, it's quite an interesting read. Um, and another one that I'm, I'm really, really enjoying. It's it's called Hop Dude, and it started off as a Mario parody. Um, where it was just like set up something else and then at the end he would always say mamma mia um, <laughs> so he's like oh today I'm going to cook pasta oh I've made too much pasta mamma mia that kind of thing yeah. uh, but it ended up being like this really meta textual endearing story about family and, mm. and, and if he has infinite lives does the meaning of life become less meaningful mm. uh, so he's he's just met Miyamoto who created him and he's had his life taken away so he's now looks at his family a lot differently now that he knows he only has that one life of them Mm. and it's just become this really really well written jokey but endearing comedy comic right well that sounds quite interesting that yeah I'll check the Stuart Immerman one out yeah I guess I'll have to create an Instagram Uh, account I I can't can't remember what it's called which would have been good of me to do it would have been great if you do some research uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) 
this is the level of commitment that people are used to. Well, you know, I, I followed it, and I didn't think I'd ever have to, like, you know, bring it up in conversation. <laughs> it's not like you do a comic book podcast. Well, you don't well, Yeah, technically. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, films, should we bring the films? Uh, yeah. Everyone up to date with the films? Uh, what films are there? Uh, well, since we last discussed this, Avengers Endgame's two weeks away. It is. We've screwed that up, haven't we? It is. Uh, Captain Marvel. Which I thought was perfectly entertaining. I thought was alright, but incredibly disappointing. But I think that comes down to the way it was advertised and our own... Uh, the opinions that we created for ourselves in mm. that it was going to be a big tie into Infinity War and Endgame. Which it isn't really. I think, to a certain degree, we let ourselves down. See, now I thought it was perfectly entertaining Marvel movie. Um, if they only hadn't emasculated Nick Fury, though, eh? Oh, well, yeah, you know. By, you know, having him clean dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, uh, great soundtrack. Yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah. the soundtrack. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the film for the most part. I don't think it's top tier Marvel. Uh, it, I liked the structure of it, that they didn't go for the standard origin movie. Yeah, it at least gave it a little more... It was a standard origin movie, but having it non-linear made yeah, it more interesting. that made yeah. it a little bit more interesting. <clears throat> and they seem to be, it seems to be that like with Doctor Strange, they've said, right, that's the last standard origin movie we're going to do. Okay, Which makes right. sense. Yeah, we've seen that yeah. uh, basically since Iron Man. Yeah. And there's the same. Uh, it has my favourite Stan Lee cameo in it. The Mallrats one? Yeah, which I thought... It's not genius, but I thought it was genius. Yeah, it was funny. That his cameo is him rehearsing his lines for his cameo. Yeah. And I watched Mallrats quite recently, actually, and I think it's got a better cameo than any Marvel film. What, when he's talking with Jason Lee? Yeah. About the thing? I think not only is it a really good um, cameo, but it's also, A, integral to the plot, and B, really sweet and endearing. Mm. And he's rocking the full beard. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is a good cameo in Mallrats. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that's that's coming. Oh, Into the Spider-Verse. Did you eventually watch that? Uh, did we I've talk seen, about I've that last time? I've seen it twice, yeah. I thought yeah, it was really it's good. It's really good. Um, really yeah. impressive Into it the Spider-Verse. It fixed Miles Morales' character yep. by making him one. By giving him a character, yes. Uh, yeah. So, kudos to that. So, yeah, that was really good. Um, uh, just... Oh, Aquaman. Uh, I haven't seen it. Have you not uh, seen Aquaman? No interest in it. Have you not? No. Right, okay. Let me piss off everyone in the audience. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very colourful. Okay. It's got lots of really cool underwater, embrace the weirdness of the 60s visuals. Right. It's narratively, as your mum said, all over the place. Okay. It makes no cohesive sense. It yeah. lurches from one scene to the next. Right. It's far too long at like two hours, 25 minutes. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. But Jason Momoa is perfectly entertaining in a way that we've not really seen be anymore. Uh, Amber Heard could have been played by anybody. I mean, Amber yeah. Heard may be played by any number of people oh, for all I know, but a character, Mera, yes. could have been played by anyone for the amount of, that she brought to the screen. All right, okay. The action sequences are well realised. I was interested in it, to be honest. <laughs> anyone could have played that. Um, uh, but Nicole Kidman was great. The CGD aging on Django Fett was terrible. Okay. Nice to see Dolph Lundgren. Right. Uh, he was fun. Isn't Willem Dafoe in it? Yes, Willem Dafoe is in is it. Is he yes. creeper? He's not creepy, no, he's, he's oh, quite right, nice. Okay. Right, okay. Um, and the score's pretty good. Right. So The score, which features Pitbull, do a cover of Africa by Toto. Why not? And Stingray's in it. <laughs> Stingray! Stingray! Yeah, Stingray's on the TV. Right, okay. In a nice little nod to Stingray. So yeah, it was perfectly fine. I do not think I will ever need to watch it again. Yeah. It was fine. 
every other DC film of late. Well, no, I'll watch, I've, I've watched Wonder Woman a couple of times. I quite enjoy Wonder Woman. I think Wonder Woman is easily the best film they've made. I, I did, I did want to be really not... pissy. I'm going to do it here so I don't get loads of shit on social media. Right, okay. But I did want to do those ranking the DC movies thing and go, Wonder Woman, The Dark Knight. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, and just have people just pile on me. It's on not a really good media. film if it's just all right and better than the rest. No, no, Wonder, that's, that's Wonder, not Wonder, Woman, Wonder Woman is genuinely a good film. Oh, well, all right, it's two it's thirds an all right film. a good film. It's two all right films that it can't make its mind up what it wants to be. It's two thirds a good film, mm. and the last third's a bit weak. The, the, yeah, the last third's a bit weak. And then the other two thirds is: Does it want to be a comic book film like Captain America, or does it want to be a serious film? No, I see. It, I think it more wants to be a comic book film like Superman, right? Because I, which is a serious film, but with Otis in it. If well, if I remember from what I saw, it I thought it really struggled to find its own identity that wasn't. And this might oh, potentially yeah. piss some people off, but it <laughs> didn't. Why stop now? I didn't feel like it had an identity other than this stars a woman and was made by women. Well, there's also the thing as well. The reason that Wonder Woman and Aquaman have worked yeah. is because they've done them the way Marvel does them. Right, okay. And people don't like that being pointed out. But yeah, they've done them the way Marvel does them. Yeah. So, you know, take from that what you will. Whatever. Uh, bear in mind, Twitters, this is just our opinion. <laughs> it does not invalidate you if you still like those movies. Yeah, just... It doesn't know, matter. We don't have to argue about the film that came out several years ago. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? It's not that important. He said doing a comedy <laughs> podcast about you know, it. It's not as though we ourselves are you know, putting our opinions out there and telling other people... Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is don't get irate about it. This is one of the things that really does piss well, what, me what off. Do you, what do you think about Zack Snyder telling fans to wake the fuck up? Zack Snyder can do whatever the fuck he likes. Because... I don't have to listen to him. Yeah. I don't have to like his movie. Uh, every word he utters convinces me that I am correct in my assumption that he read what? Watchmen, he read The Dark Knight Returns, and that was it. It's... I felt as though it's a but very... It doesn't... I don't care. I don't care what Zack Snyder says. It's a very bold statement for a man to tell fans of a character what that character should do when he himself, to this day, has not written that character. Did he not have any input into the script? No, I mean as in he didn't get that character right. He's oh, not right. written that character. All right. Okay. You know, you can't tell people who a character is if you've not even bothered to yeah. look at that character. Well, it's like, I like reading and listening to the opinions of people that aren't stupid. Hi, Ethan <laughs> Van Skyver. Um, but, at the same time, if you don't like something that I like, ultimately... Then don't make a film out of it. Ultimately, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. It doesn't affect my liking of it that you don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, I can see your opinion, and I'm glad that you liked Batman versus Superman because you didn't waste six hours of your life because well, I've watched it twice. We have we have coming up as well uh, as we've seen the the trailer now, the the Joker film. I have uh, not seen which the trailer is going to be man. That's going to be that's going to be a great one for debates. Really? Because um, I, I, I said several times the cinematography in it looks looks fantastic. It looks it looks really really good. Mm. But the film looks awful. 
It How long was the trailer? Awful, like two and a half minutes. Well, you can't really say that the film's going to be awful based on the two and a half minute trailer. The film, as depicted and conveyed through the two and a half minute trailer... Alright, which is the point of the trailer. The, pre- playing, the premise know. that the trailer sets up okay. looks awful. Right, Let's right, victimise right. and, and humanise a murderous psychopath. Um, I, I think I did see a couple I th- of people I think it's the wrong decision that. to yeah. make from a film, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, I've but, not watched it. So, so basically... The, the origin that they're giving this character who has no definitive origin um, is instead of throwing the Joker into a vat of chemicals, mm-hmm. let's throw him into society. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am on board with this pitch. Uh, he, he, he's, his mum is old and ill and he lives with his mum. And his mum's always told him that he needs to put on a happy face and he's a clown, but he keeps being beaten up and now he's really sad. So he's going to be a bad clown instead. Do you know what they should do? Not that film? No, no, no. They should release a different Joker movie every year with a different actor playing the Joker and it's just a different origin story every every year. So the Joker (laughs) is going to be in Suicide Squad 2, isn't it? Is he? I thought they got rid of the Joker. Played by yet again another actor. Oh, is is this true? One that has similar design to the Joaquin Joachim Phoenix. So not the what's it one from the first Suicide yeah. Squad movie. Because I'll be brutally honest, I frequently forget Suicide Squad exists. Um, that's a pleasure we can't all have. <laughs> I vaguely remember Margot Robbie's short shorts. If I even think about Suicide Squad at all. Yeah. Uh, and I quite liked um, ooh, the guy who's in Altered Carbon. As um, Colonel Flag, I quite liked him. I All vaguely right. remember him. Joel Kinnaman. Okay. I quite liked this him. This is Katana! Yeah. Watch out for her sword! Yeah, he was alright. But okay. other than that, uh, I forget that Suicide Squad's a thing. Because uh, Will Smith's not in the second one. No, but Idris Elba is, but na- now playing his character. All Idris right. Elba okay. is now playing a different character. Right, okay. So he's not playing Deadshot. I was going to say, is that how it works? You can just, like. Well, why can Idris Elba not play a different Deadshot? Why does he have to be Floyd Lawton? DC have played with legacy characters forever now. Yeah. Just have a different Deadshot. Um, The Flash, I don't know if you've heard, um, Ezra Miller was... Oh, God, is that still happening? Yeah, uh, it gets interesting. You say yes as if you're confident that it will actually happen. Uh, I don't think so, but this has actually interested me. Uh, He wasn't satisfied with the script, so... But he still did Justice League. He and Grant Morrison are writing the script. Oh, right. Oh, that, that bodes to be interesting. Yeah. If nothing else. Yeah. So that mm. makes it, you know, doesn't a, mean it'll happen. A, a, at least a modicum more interesting than it did originally. <laughs> smidge. Well, yeah. Smidge more interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, trailer is... for Star Wars. Oh yes, trailer for Star it Wars. Looks happened. like the single best thing next to Endgame this year. That isn't Godzilla two. Oh, I'm very excited. It's competing with Game of Thrones and Veronica Mars coming back. Uh, yes, but it's Star Wars. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, and you do you do get the chills out of a Star Wars trailer. Do you yeah. know what was interesting about the Star Wars trailer? It's yes. twenty years since the Phantom Menace came out. Okay, do you remember all those episodes? No, of Hey it's Kids? really yeah. Do you remember all those episodes of Hey Kids we did where we defended the prequels and everyone said the shit? Yeah. Apparently, Twitter is now ablaze with people defending the prequels. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> no one hates... where were you people? No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, and like, so it was it was cool to hate the prequels. Mm. 
through no other reason than it was cool to hate the prequels. That's very but true. But now that The Last Jedi's out and there's more films to hate, we're all, you know, big fans of George Lucas, you know, bring bring him back. Yeah, there. bring George back. I said, I said, what? you did nothing no. but piss on him for raping your childhood throughout the entire run of the prequels. But anyway, yeah, the, the <laughs> forget. I'm not even going to discuss those people anymore. Um, the trailer looks looks quite exciting. It looks great, yeah. yeah I'm quite involved. Uh, and it's, I had no interest in The Force Awakens until one trailer that came out and there's a bit get of out of town you're the not... one who said to me when are we watching star wars yes i had no interest in the force awakens until i saw one trailer and there's one shot the tie fighters the millennium the falcon oh, no. flips oh yeah from over Jacko. and i was like yeah all right, see okay, mine was the tie fighters in front of the sun the uh Arm- yeah. armageddon now so apocalypse now but so then like for what last year for what the force awakens was it you know, brought that excitement back up last year i was great and so now Seeing the trailer for the new one with Abrams back, I was kind of interested how it ex- how excited I am at this compared to how cynical I was at the last Abrams Star Wars film. Well, the thing is, I have watched The Force Awakens a number of times this year because it's been on ITV, and I kind of just don't stop yeah. when it's on ITV. I've watched it the twice that I've seen it, and I think it's been on more times. It is, I don't want to say worst written. But I do want to say it relies on so many coincidences. It's, it's, it's glorified fan service. Well, so Solo, but Solo's just a lot of fun. Solo is a lot of fun, yeah. But Solo wasn't trying to be the next big Star Wars. Solo, yeah, I think Solo, they, they'd so, hoped it would be a trilogy. Solo was just fun, and it was just yeah. its own thing. Same as... Well, you can't really compare it to Rogue One because Rogue One wanted to be something. Rogue One wanted to be Star Wars. Yeah, but Rogue One wanted to smell like the, Star the Wars. For, the Force Awakens very definitely wants to be the next big Star Wars thing, and it had to. It mm. had to. But it is just J.J. Abrams playing with these toys and recreating the originals. Yeah, and he, he, but he is a good visualist. Yeah. So the trailers are going to look good, oh, yeah, no matter yeah. what happens. But yeah, I thought, and it was nice to see Lando and that shot yes. from the Force Awakens of Leia hugging Ray. Yeah, which is quite clearly where it comes from. Uh, they've admitted it's all from the yeah. Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh, was there nothing from Last Jedi? All from what? From what I've read, uh, I could be wrong, but all footage of Leia in Rise of the Skywalker mm-hmm. is from deleted scenes and bits from Force Awakens. Right. So nothing from Last Jedi. No. Why would they have to pay Ryan Johnson? She, she was hardly in Last Jedi. <laughs> she was not in Last Jedi. No, she slept a lot. Yeah. To be fair. So, alright, yeah, so Star Wars is happening. Game of Thrones is happening. All of that stuff. Godzilla's, and Endgame is Godzilla's two weeks next month, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. We've got another Spider-Man film. Have we? Yeah, straight after Endgame. Oh, yeah! Yeah, we've got Far Captain Marvel, home. and then we've got yeah, Endgame, and then we've got yeah. Far From Home. Which I think looks a lot of fun, because I like fun, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So I am very much... And I love Homecoming. I've watched Homecoming again this week in my preparation for... My favourite story about Homecoming, uh, Hannibal Burrs, Mm. uh, who who plays the gym coach in it, Mm. uh, had some. Pretty sure he's a war criminal. That guy. Who says that about Captain? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was going to say, no, no, he's not. (laughs) Like I, I, I don't, no, I don't he's know, not. I don't, war. I don't know what him and Eric Andre did, but it he's, wasn't war crimes. Not a war criminal. <laughs> um, but no, so he he, he he was doing something else on the day of the premiere. Mm. So he just hired this random dude who didn't even look like him, uh, just to play him. And there's brilliant footage where someone's like interviewing him, and he's just like, not even 
he's saying, yeah, I'm Hannibal Burst, but he's not active. He's not dressed <laughs> like him. He's just a bloke who rocks up. Hannibal Burst paid him. And they, they showed him on an interview, and he's like, why did you do this? Like, I just couldn't be honest. And this guy said, yeah, I'll do it. It's like, but he doesn't even look like you. Well, they said he'd do it. <laughs> I wonder how many of the cast would do that if given the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. You know when they've got to go from interview to interview to interview? I wonder how many of them would say, I'm just going to pay this guy to be me. But it was just genius how... <laughs> People believed it, and he wasn't even. Don't know that Jeremy Renner would get away with it. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right then. Should we do the other email and then get into the, the thrust yeah. of today's story, like a, a thrusting young book that we are. <laughs> our uh, our second and final email, uh, Nathaniel Wayne. The king is dead. I don't know about that. Hey, I know these blokes. Nice to have you back. It was nice to be back. And I kind of like this being a bit of a holiday treat. You both pulled in some pretty sweet Christmas hauls. And while I miss having Michael around to record these more often, it's good to hear that things seem to be going well for him as he approaches the dreaded age of adulting. (laughs) Adulting. Oh, sweet summer child. Yeah. So my big point, Andy, you're talking utter bollocks with your defending of Tom King's issue 50. (laughs) I did say he was wrong, didn't I? (laughs) That's right, I said it, or rather I made you say it because I like hearing you say bollocks. Anyway, not only am I siding with Michael with what he pulled was stupid nonsense, I am fully confident in that stance despite not having read the thing. Not the issue, all the story it's part of. And suddenly they say, you can't yeah, know! Yeah, that's, 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 that's where an argument does fall apart. As, but, as, a, as right as you are. Ah, <laughs> you see, but Nathaniel follows that up with, now lest you think I've become that most loathsome of creatures, the internet pundit who condemns sight unseen, I do actually have backing for this, and it's because of something you completely failed to bring into account. And that is the lead up to it. I don't mean the narrative, I mean the company push and Tom King's part in it particularly. I remember being sceptical when I heard of the idea of Bruce marrying Selena a few months prior to the event failing to happen. I got more on board with the concept though when I read an interview with Tom King. He talked about how other writers seem to think you can't have a married hero or somebody with a stable relationship. But what he was going to do was prove that rather than limit stories, it opens up whole new ones that nobody was doing. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Just for shame, he was talking completely out of his ass and lying with a big shite-eating grin on his face. And that is a big factor in the hate. Stop lying to your audience. Now, let's just take a step back here. Russell T. Davis mm-hmm. has said he will birthface lie in interviews if it will protect his story. Yeah. And I don't honestly believe he's the only one. Oh, no. Moffat does it as well. Yeah, Stephen Moffat has done it with regards to Sherlock and Doctor Who. Well, it's it. I think it is if it benefits your narrative. Mm. Uh, I remember one of the Metal Gear Solid games, for example. Uh, it was going to be the main character in it. All the promotional material featured like Solid Snake, da 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 da. The cover art features him. The back of the box features him. You play the game. You only play him for the first half hour, and then you play as a completely different character. Mm. So that entire game was surrounded by lies to benefit the narrative. Mm. I don't necessarily think that Tom King and DC were benefited that narrative. Right. I get the desire to maintain surprise, but you can be secretive without flat-out lying, and I've never seen an instance where a company pushed a lie and it actually resulted in anything other than resentment from the audience. J.J. Abrams tried it by insisting over and over again that Benedict Cumberbatch was not playing Khan. 
fans resented it. The Bond franchise tried to pull it with Blofeld in Spectre to even worse results. Marvel tried to insist that, no, really, we mean it. It's not reality warping when they did the Captain America Agent of Hydra thing. And that blew up in their faces like a homemade firecracker. And the thing is, any of these were perfectly fine stories taken in isolation. Well, not Spectre. That movie can go straight to hell. But the insistence on bold-faced lying to fans only created resentment in order to try and preserve a surprise that we already figured out. These companies and creators tease us. We figure out what they're up to. They lie and say that's not what they're doing. And then the thing comes out and they're all, oh, we fooled you. No, you bloody didn't. You lied to us and we didn't even believe you. It's damned insulting is what it is. See, I don't disagree with him with regards to Spectre and Into Darkness. I don't think that's what Tom King did. I haven't read the interview that you're referencing. But the whole story that he's playing with is that whole idea of Batman can't be happy. And because if Bruce Wayne is happy, then there is no Batman. Right? Which is bullshit. Well, no, because they played with the idea in Mask of the Phantasm, which is generally regarded to be the best Batman movie. Yep, but that didn't also have him saying, oh, Batman's going to marry someone. No, legit, he really is. Well, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to say they're not going to get married? Yeah. Because it's I'm halfway through my storyline and this is the story I'm starting telling. Yeah. So you actually want him to spoil his own story. We, me and you have had this argument where you said, well, we all knew it wasn't going to happen because it's just a story. If you're sitting there going, this is just a story, then the story's not doing a good job. No, well, I was buying into it and in the story. Not so only, like I say, I haven't read these interviews. And not only that, but we all knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. We all knew it wasn't going to happen. So if you're... And even if it did happen, it would end up not happening at some If you're going to go with the shock factor and say that it will happen, if your company's going to back you and say it will happen, and you really want to pull something off that's going to be interesting and exciting, make it fucking happen. Okay. Because that would be the better story. That would be what none of us were expecting. Well, yeah, that is, that is true. Yeah. None of us were expecting it to actually happen. So by doing the whole... Oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, none of you thought that it was going to happen. It's not. It's a massive disservice to your own story. See, I actually agree with you more. Especially considering... Than saying, don't boldface lie yeah. to your audience. I don't mind them boldface lying been more interesting to protect the story. Go for it, especially in a long-running 100-issue story. Which he is, he was, he was midpoint. And so I read that issue in isolation, and I thought, especially the reason why she does it, that Batman can never be happy... You had no problem with that. The he was entire, happy in the 50s. You had no problem with that the, the entire time you were engaged and living with him. You mm. were still in a relationship. You were still engaged. You were still being Batman and Catwoman. That's a bullshit excuse. Adam West was happy. Um, yeah, he was he, he was happy when he was with Dick Grayson. As, well, that's, as, that's, as, that's as, an entirely well, other You know story. what I mean. Yeah. He, he's happy with his family. He's yeah. happy when he was with Kate Kane or whoever Batwoman was in the yeah. Silver Age. And Selina in Earth 2. Yeah. Um, Until she died, obviously. So that was a silly excuse, but having so I've started reading it now to try and change my mind that Tom King isn't just as bad as Bendis, um, and I'm up to. <laughs> Is that the bar? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything I've read of him, I just wow, this is bad. Um, but I've just read the two issues where he has to. They've just fought Bane, mm. and it's two part issue where I am Bane. No, not yet. Um, he, he has to take her to Blackgate oh, he has to take her to Blackgate and doesn't and they have sex on a rooftop and they argue, of course they, do. they argue over when they met mm. 
and he finds proof that she didn't murder 300 and however many people. Yeah. And so I didn't realise that the whole Catwoman is super duper important story you was going to do started in the first nine issues. Yeah. Which kind of... And I, I, I argue that Catwoman isn't the one anyway. No, I think it's Talia. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't stand the whole they're supposed to be together argument that a lot of people have. <laughs> but it, it's kind of one of those things where, again, I think you're completely letting yourself down if you're going to start in the first story arc saying how super-duper important this character is hmm. to then say, yeah, but nah, they, they won't do it. See, for me, I like the idea, I think it may have been in Generations, which we never covered. Hmm. We never did Generations. Where Batman has his final confrontation with Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Raz gets killed. And they fight in the Lazarus pit. Yeah. yeah. Bruce emerges from the Lazarus pit and doesn't he end up with Talia and they convert Raz's organisation into a do-gooding force? Yeah. I like that ending. I prefer him with Talia than with Catwoman. Yeah. Because ultimately Catwoman is never going to stop being what Catwoman is. Whereas the only thing that's stopping him being with Talia is Raz. Well, I think the thing with Catwoman... Constantly changes who she is. Yeah. Is she a Gugger's bad guy? She's still a but thief. I she loves being a thief. She's never not going to be a thief. Well, yeah, because she stole the wedding dress. Yeah. But at the same time, what he was writing in their engagement issues, mm-hmm. the way they were, the way they acted, the way they were as Bruce and Selina or Batman and Catwoman, completely contradicts his own, nah, this can't happen, belief. Mm. Um, but I also think fundamentally why it can't happen and why Tom King can't write it is because I don't believe... And, and, and everyone, every writer's Batman is different. Every fan's Batman is different. Mm. But from the very moment I read the first or second issue, I instantly knew that this was not Batman. And that he says a line of dialogue saying, I don't even trust Alfred. See, and I don't agree that, with that. From that moment, I switched off. Is he not, doesn't he not pay that off later, though? He better. I think he does. Because a Batman who doesn't even, trust, doesn't Alfred. even trust Alfred is not a good Batman. Hmm. Uh, if you write Batman so that he doesn't trust Alfred, you're not a good writer. And so in that case, how can you have Batman wanting to marry someone? Hmm. So you've argued Nathaniel's point and now I'm actually agreeing with you. <laughs> Piss off. I wanted to say he was wrong. But like I said, I mean, I'm reading through it all in context for the first time now. Yeah, I'm going to do that when it finishes. I um, want to read it all, all the so way through. So maybe I will change my mind, but from where I am now, and knowing more or less where it's going to go, mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. See how it goes. Because I did like the War of Jokes and Riddles a lot. I felt that was a lot of fun. Right, okay. That's the zero year, because they've just teased it having happened. Yeah. yeah. So Anyway. So also, Tom, what's his on? deal with Kite Man? Kite Man's fun! <laughs> He's like the holiday killer or Calendar Man. I like Calendar Man as well. He's a low, <laughs> low down on the tier villain. Yeah, but can why, have fun why is Kite Man in every other Tom King issue? Because Kite Man's fun. You know, got to be some fun in there. Even in Batman. <laughs> anyway, Nathaniel concludes, so Tom King can sod off with the rest for pulling that bullpucky. And he deserves every bad word he gets. Not personal harassment, not being fired. Come on now, be reasonable. Regardless of whether or not the story works. And that's enough of a rant from me. Hope you have a great summer. Or failing that, a terrific 2020. <laughs> Geekily yours, Nathaniel Wayne, who does Counselor Geeks on YouTube, which is one of the few YouTube channels that I actually enjoy uh, watching or listening to. Whatever. Uh, all right. Shall we get into the main yeah, thrust? Yeah. 
Uh, 40 minutes in. Yeah, 40 minutes in. Well, you know you, you know what you signed up for, lovely listeners, <laughs> quite frankly. And if you want to sign up and send us some money, that'd be great, especially for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have one, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Detective Comics 1000 was published in May 2019 and was celebrated, as with its stablemate Action Comics, with a hardcover release and then the piece de resistance, Detective Comics 1000. Original issue, people, no digital filth here. As with action, there were multiple covers, a main one by Jim Lee. And through the decades by Steve Rude, Bruce Tim, Michael Cho, Steranko, Bernie Wrights and Frank Miller, Tim Sale, Jock and Greg Capuo. And many, yeah. many more. That does not include... The many, many, many... I think someone at DC misread and thought they had to do a thousand covers. <laughs> I think that they did. Yeah, if you... Love the listener. If you go on your internet web browser of choice and go to comicburst... <laughs> look along with us. .com, yeah, you can have a look at them with us. Uh, Detective Comics 1000 Complete Cover Checklist. I bought the Steve Rude one because I thought it was the best. Quite uh, frankly, I bought Capullo because there was no other choice. Uh, right, well, the Steve Rude one is a takeoff on. Um, God, well, first, first the Jim Lee one. No, yes. well, I was just going to do the 1930s one only because it's here. All right, okay. I, I actually think that's a stunningly beautiful cover by, by Steve Rude. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, the Jim Lee one is Jim Lee. It's fine, it's glossy, it's Batman in the Batcave. And it's, it's, the it's, it's a wraparound that yeah. uh, action wasn't, but it's, it's, it's just a. Not only is it uninspired, it's just bad. Yeah, it's not as bad as action. His action cover was pretty awful. Well, his action comics was fine. It was just Superman standing with his... Yeah, pretty much. You can't go wrong with that. At least this is a little bit more detailed. I I think it's Jim Lee. I think if you like Jim Lee, you like it. And if you think Jim Lee's overrated, you won't. It's it's what it is, basically. Uh, Bruce Timm did the 1940s variant cover, which is a play on an old Detective Comics cover. It's a big mock-up of the Joker with two guns pointed at Batman and Robin. They're all plays on... Yeah, they're all plays on something, aren't they? That's fine. The Bruce Timm one's fine. Uh, The Michael Cho one did nothing for me. The 1950s variant. Really? I like it. I think it's cute. Yeah, I I don't have any affinity for the 1950s material. Well, I I I really like the yeah. I like how wacky it is. I think yeah, it's, so. I think it's a cute little cover. Yeah. So that, I think that's a, if you're a 1950s Batman fan, that's the one you'll go for, isn't yeah. it? Because there's nothing wrong with it. No, it's just not my bag. The Steranko one is great. Yeah, I really like the Steranko one. I like the layout. I like the color scheme. The Bernie Wrights in 1970s one is that a new Bernie Wrights and cover? Or Probably is that a not. repurposed piece of art from somewhere more, else? More than likely, because I think the Steranko one's repurposed. Is it? Right, okay. I'd say I, I don't know. I think some of these were originally drawn for this and some weren't. Uh, the Frank Miller one is god-awful. Yeah, but in all the right Frank Millery ways. Well, I don't... Uh, well, it's similar to Jim Lee. Why does Frank Miller's Batman now look like he's been swimming too long and all his skin's <laughs> just corrugated I think, up. I think the thing with, with Miller though is is he's 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 exactly the same as Jim Lee. Yeah, I suppose you're right, yeah. Whereas I can tolerate Jim Lee and think he's fine. I look at that and think Jesus, Frank. Uh, Tim Sale's 1990s variant cover is very nice. Very, very long Halloween-y. Yeah, it's very ways. Tim Sale, very Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, pretty much. Jock 2000's variant cover is just close to Batman's face. It does nothing for me, even though I like Jock as an artist. Uh, I, well, I've seen a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff of it. There's not much, but the mm. original inks and that and all the effects he's put on later. So I, I quite like that. Okay. Greg Capullo's 2010's variant uh, is the one you bought. It's the one I went for. It's it's great. That is a repurposed piece. Right, where's that from? Uh, he, He's a... 
commission or oh, a right. piece he did promotional that was never used right okay there's the blank cover so you can get your own cover sketched if you choose to and then as we scroll through there is a retailer creator variant cover a scorpion comics from lucio perio which is all right yeah that's fine yeah uh planet comic-con kansas doug manx arkham night one is you know um, Nicholas Scott's variant cover with lots of different Batmans. That's, yeah, I'm digging that one. Uh, I dig that one as well. I like that one as well. Uh, I like Mike Mayhew's. The play on Alex Ross. Yeah, yeah. with the, the entire rogues gallery bringing Batman down. I like that. Car Andrews' Batman Catwoman cover is, is pretty. Uh, the Mike Lilly variant cover is fine. The Frankie's Comics Yi Hung Lee, one of Harley Quinn with the boobs out. Yeah. Is, is fine. Uh, Bill Sinkovich, I like that one. Yeah, like again, Bill. that's just Bill Sinkovich. Yeah, it's Bill. Again, if you like Bill Sinkovich, <laughs> you like Bill Sinkovich. Uh, Jason Fairbox is good. It's just yes, a it's thing you oppose. Yeah, better in black and white. Yeah, the black and white thinks. variant is better. Again, Bill Sinkovich, Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Returns, mixing up with things. Yeah, uh, is better than Frank Miller's. Yes, it's really good <laughs> by a, a large margin. Uh, Jim Lee's variant cover versus the Joker. It's yes, fine. Lee did his own through the age uh, covers. Right, here. so that explains. Then there's Jim Lee doing Batman versus Harley Quinn, Batman versus Catwoman, Batman versus Bane. They're all also homages to his own work as well, if I recall. Are they? Uh, so I know, for example, the one of him fighting Harley Quinn is taken from the fight scene in the Opera House in Hush. Oh, oh, right. Okay, fair enough. I'm pity he didn't do him like them. That what's it wash? That he did in Hush. Oh, he's was colourful. Yeah, yeah, they were really good. But he didn't do one of them. Uh, Tony S. Daniel did one, which is fine. Yeah, it's Tony Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Sanders did a, a Batman Catwoman one. The variant of that, Catwoman's not wearing a mask. Yeah. I don't understand why, but, Ver- you know. Uh, Stanley Artgerm, or Stanley Lau, sorry, Artgerm, I really like his stuff. Yeah, he's, he's done fantastic variants for Supergirl and Catwoman. Yeah, and absolutely brilliant. And this is no exception. I like the middle one. That yeah. is actually coloured to look like a comic book cover. Mm. So, but I can't go wrong with that, Joe. Uh, Jay Anacleto, am I saying that right? He's done one of the entire Bat family. Why Harley Quinn's there, I don't know. Or Poison Ivy. Oh, no, no, it's just Batman and the women. Right. Sorry, right, I wasn't okay. looking at it. It's Batwoman, Catwoman, Batgirl, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn. So it's Batman and his female rogues and assistants. Speaking of which, Don McTeague did one for Catwoman, Harley, and Poison Ivy, looking very like Jay Scott Campbell. Hmm. Uh, Ricardo Federici did a Batman Joker Two Face mashup, which I'm not a fan of <laughs> at all. Brian Bolland's excellent Forbidden Planet cover is really good. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, if they release that, that was a midnight release variant, was it? Yeah, Forbidden Planet yeah. only. Uh, Warren Lau did a wraparound of Harley, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman, which is seems far more fascinated with Poison Ivy's boobs than anything else, <laughs> which is fine, I suppose. Um, Stuart McKenney, I like what he did there, as Charlie's Angels, in this time in the form of Harley Quinn, Catwoman and Poison Ivy. Uh, Gabrielle Delotto did one of Batman walking towards us looking mean. Uh, Mika Cyan did a wraparound of Batman and the women again. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Red Hood and all the others are there as well. Uh, Adam Hughes' variant cover just of Catwoman seems to emphasise her cleavage, <laughs> like you said earlier on. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Lee Bur- Burmeasure did a, a cover, which is fine if you like Lee Burmeasure. Yeah, it's good for what it is. Uh, the Dan Jurgens Kevin Nolan one's interesting in the sense that it's all the different versions of Batman on the same cover. 
Yes. Nice black and white uh, Again, there's a lot of different homages to different eras yeah. there. Yeah. It's similar to what he did in Zero Hour, but with Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then you've got Rodolfi Migalari, apologies for my butchering of the pronunciation of these names, uh, Robin and, and Batgirl, which is really nice. Mm. I like that one a lot. God, when does this end? Francesco Martina did one of multiple Again, Batmans. Again, just different Batman. Yeah. Which... Oh, and the variants, the a variants. legit variant as well. Yeah. Is, uh... Even more different Batman. Yeah, the costumes are empty. I don't, I don't know. No, they're not the different Arkham ones. Knight variant cover. So, in, yeah, he's wearing the battle oh, armor. Right. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Yep, yep, that's fair enough. Uh, Jim Lee did three different variants. Um, Neil Adams. Neil Adams, sorry, yes. You're absolutely right, not Jim Lee. Uh, I like the black and white one the most. Cover C. Alright, I like cover A. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Alex Ross did two. He did a Detective Comics 27 variant, which I think we've seen before. More than likely. And a Virgin variant cover, which is just Batman pretending he's in Predator. Yeah. And shaking Ernie's yeah. hand. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, Patrick Gleason did one, which is just everybody looking up. I'm sure that's repurposed. Probably is. Uh, Scorpion Comics Clayton Crane did a very cover. How does every comic shop get their own cover? I don't know. Uh, Ken Heiser did an Arkham Knight variant and a regular Batman one. And I oh, think we've reached that's the end. About it. So again, that was on ComicBurst.com. All I did was type in Detective Comics 1000 cover checklist. And if you want to go and have a look at them, because I can't be bothered describing all of them. Because they are all mostly poster pictures, you, but they're worth looking at. I don't know if you follow any artists or anything, uh, particularly anyone who worked on a thousand. Yeah. Uh, but when they got the comps, boxes, mm. crates that had to be van loaded into the house that they're not allowed to sell. Well, yeah, I'm sure they are. I, but... I didn't think they were allowed to sell them on from DC. If they want to get rid of them, I think they have to donate them. Right. Okay. But yeah, so they got all the comps, and mm. they got multiple copies of every single variant what cover. What did they do with them? I, I don't know. Because, yeah, they were just uh, they just arrived in crates and that wasn't all of them. So they had to get a van to deliver them and then load them all off. I don't know what I'd want to do. And then on top of that, they got the celebratory box sets as well. I'd sign my cover and when I'm at a convention, I would get my wife to sell them. <laughs> so I'm not actually selling right, them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what I would do. Uh, anyway, the creators for this book that we're going to have a bit of a discussion about. Scott Snyder and Greg Capoe worked on one team. Worked on one story, sorry. Kevin Smith and Jim Lee. Uh, Paul Dini and Dustin Nagoyan. Warren Ellis and Becky Cloonan. Danny O'Neill and Steve Epting. Christopher Price and Neil Adams. Uh, Bendis and Alex Maleev. Uh, Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones. James Tinian IV and Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Tom King, Tony Daniel and Joel Jones, Peter J. Thomasai and Doug Mank, all were the writer and artist teams on different stories in this book. I must confess I was a little bit disappointed with this. Because the I... creative teams? Yes. Right, okay. I thought that this would be a celebration of detective comics with also a look towards the future. So I did think, well, all right, why is Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan not being given a story? Why okay. is Kelly Jones being asked to draw a story, but not do that story with Doug Mensch, who he had a long run maybe. on Batman with? Uh, I don't know, maybe people didn't want to come back? It's, or it's very weren't. possible. Um, it's like, well, what's Kevin Smith doing in this? Kevin Smith's contribution to Batman is, what, two miniseries? Uh, yeah. Three miniseries? Yeah. I forget at this point. Uh, so, but he's a marquee name, isn't he? 
So it seems to yeah. me that they were trading off marquee names versus people who deserve to be here. Why is Warren Ellis writing a Batman story? Because of his epic long runs on Batman that he's done previously. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, Denny O'Neill, no problem with that. But why was Neil Adams not teamed with Denny O'Neill? That seems like a crazy decision to not put those two together. <laughs> you know, Christopher Priest, why is it? You had a long run on Batman that I'm not aware of? In Detective Comics, Bendis. Bendis' contribution to Batman is legendary. Well, do you- isn't it? Uh, obviously, Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns hasn't had a long run on Batman, has he? Has he had a he's run on Batman? Dabbled, hasn't he? Because yeah. he's, he's done a lot of different things. He has written a lot of Batman right. in places. But James Tinian the Fourth obviously is currently writing tech. Uh, he's or was writing Detective Comics. Yeah, because Tomasi's taken over. Right. He's done a lot. He's he's doing Justice League as well. Yeah. So Tomasi deserves to be there as a current writer. Yeah. Same with Tom King as the current writer. I just felt personally. I would have liked to have seen... It's a good line seen... but it's not yeah. inherently appropriate. I... Yeah, it's yeah. it's not necessarily a celebration of Batman and Detective Comics. I would perhaps like to have seen Jerry Conway do a story, because he had a long run on Detective Comics. Maybe it's just a case of who wanted to come back, or... Or who what? was available, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, first story in the boot, The Longest Case by Scott Snyder and Greg Kapoor. I've ripped these synopses off from... A website that I've forgotten. Uh, One of the most popular talent teams in the history of the Dark Knight delivers a tale in which Batman follows clues around the world, leading him back to his home in Gotham City and to a secret organisation that he's been keeping tabs on him for years. What did we think of this? I mean, that's, first that's, that's not a synopsis. That's a setup. That's a blurb. Yeah, Batman basically finds out that there is a group of detectives. Uh, led by Detective Chimp and Slam Bradley and Hawkeye and Hawkgirl and the Martian Manhunter. And is that the question or the answer? That's the question. Uh, <laughs> his brother. His brother, the answer. And um, um, Elongated Man, and who's that? Elongated Man's wife. Oh, is it? Is she not dead now? No, retcon. Oh, did she get better? Yeah, oh, we've right. discussed this. Oh, retcons. Uh, yeah, retcons. Um, she never died. She never did kill anyone. Oh, that, that's fair enough. I thought this was a good story to introduce it. Because it's a detective story. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's it's celebratory. Mm-hmm. It's got great cameos from characters. Yeah, Slam Bradley, forgotten. Um, I like Slam Bradley. Though. Yeah, and it's it's kind of one of those about the whole. Oh, there's never an answer. It always leads on. It's a great mm-hmm. summary of Batman who he is. Uh, I like you pointed this out to me that over the years, uh, as they show him doing little bits of investigative work on this, his costume changes. Yeah, well, I thought that was. Genius, yeah, that's quite good. In that. in that they've perfectly written and illustrated a story that not only takes place within their own continuity, mm-hmm. their own Batman story, but also could happen any time. Yeah, it's a perfect celebratory issue that you've got your fan service to your own story, but then it's just read it whenever. Yeah, cut and paste into any celebratory issue or whatever. Yeah, good one to open it with, and it's yeah. always nice to see Detective Chimp. Yeah, it's never not. Uh, fun. Detective Chimp's yeah, a Detective main Chimp. character in Justice League Dark. Is he? He's fantastic. He in metal. Detective Chimp. Who's his mate? The Camelot guy with the sword. Would that be King Arthur? No, because he owned <laughs> he owned uh, the Oblivion Bar. Oh yeah. Or whatever, and he was killed during metal. And he got better. So no, 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 he's oh. dead. But in Justice League Dark, Detective Chimp is now an alcoholic because he can't deal with the fact that he now, not only does he run the pub that his best mate died in, but he also inherited his sword as well. So he's got a really interesting character arc in it. That's actually quite cute. Very nice, very nice, very good. Yeah, a good opener, that one. So we're we're both on the same page with that one. 
The next story, manufactured for use by Kevin Smith and Jim Lee, the fan-favourite director of Clerks and one of Batman's most visionary artists. Is he, though? <laughs> Present a story that cuts between Batman fighting his greatest villains and his attempts to track down the gun that killed his parents. Well, actually, the, the story is about him tracking down the gun that killed his parents. He's, well, he's already tracked it down. Yeah, and it, uh, it matches Malone, shows up, at this place where a guy has all of the gadgets that the criminals use, the rogues galleries use, and he sells them to the underworld, which is that's a, quite a good idea. Mm. Yeah, he's just found like the penguin's umbrella lying around. Yeah. So when he hears on the news that Batman's fighting, isn't that what they were doing in Homecoming? Yeah, pretty much. But this is this is quite cool. I quite like this. Um, so it's matches him alone finds this, and it's quite an interesting story in that he buys the gun that kills his parents, and Alfred chastises him. For wanting to display it in his trophy cabinet, and Batman says, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna display it. I'm gonna destroy it." And he melts it down, and he puts it under his emblem to be the like a bulletproof, the bulletproof vest, yeah. thing that is was started in Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Yeah, so he so, tur- he turns the gun that killed into a gun that defends. Yeah. yeah, but on so on the one hand, it's quite a cute little story, setting up Dark Knight Returns. I don't know right. that Dark Knight Returns needed setting up, <laughs> but okay, whatever. On the other hand, as you pointed out... Well, yeah, because the logistics of it are, he's done this symbolic Mm. transforming of something. How many costumes does he have? Mm. How many bulletproof rests does he have? He's just going to throw that away the first time it gets used, or he's going to forget which one's which. Yeah, well, and also it's the one with the yellow emblem on that he doesn't even wear anymore. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it is It is a little... It draws... It was all right when Dark Knight Returns did it. It's like, well, I can't armour my head. But now we're in a world where conceivably his cowl could be made of something that is so, protective. It felt very much like... Cute. It, well, it didn't do anything for me, the story. Um, Jim Lee's art's all right, isn't it? I but you didn't like it at all, did you? No, there's things about it that look... It's a mini hush. I think Scott Williams did a lot more work on this than Jim Lee did. Right. Okay. Um, but for me, it felt very much in, especially the creative team and the feel of it and the story and just this whole kind of vibe and aesthetic it's got. Hmm. This is just a repurposed Batman black and white backup. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that assessment of it. I do think it would be in Batman black and white, but I think it's it's a redo of Hush in the sense of Jim Lee gets to draw panel after panel of Batman fighting different bad guys. Well, yeah, that's, that's all it is. The, the monologue and the fight scenes don't even match up. Mm. And it's one of those as well, you know Jim Lee's going to make a fortune selling this out on the thingy or market, oh, unless he's done going it on, on Every panel and fight scene is of the bad guy shooting his emblem. Yeah, do you not figure that? It's still naff. Yeah, they're all, they're all shooting at him in the chest. Oh, that's convenient, isn't it? Yes, they all like, shoot at him in you, the You'd ambush. almost think, hang on, his face isn't bulletproof. Yeah, so why don't why doesn't Onomatopoeia shoot him in the head? Yeah, well, you know, he's too busy slitting his girlfriend's throat, isn't he? I do like, are, are we ever going to get a resolution to that story? <laughs> it's been written, isn't it? I've no idea. But Walt Flanagan's too busy running his comic shop. Is he? Yeah. All right, well, that's fair enough, because it is Because, you know, com- comic, comic book guys is still, you know, a TV show, isn't it? Is it? I thought it had been cancelled <laughs> years ago. So what's his excuse then? I don't know. I don't know what his excuse is. But I didn't mind manufacture for you. I thought that was cute more than anything. Um, yeah, you can pull it to bits, but it was nice to see Kevin Smith write a story that wasn't as verbose as he normally is. 
It was nice to see him write a story where he doesn't go for any of his crass humour. It's just a straightforward tale and everyone's in character. And it's always nice to see Matches Malone. Yeah. I do like Matches Malone. I've always liked Matches Malone. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I I read something about Matches Malone. It's the the Batman Who Laughs. Yes. Uh, The Batman Who Laughs has just told Oswald Cobblepot that he should do more research into who Matches Malone is. Oh, right. Okay. Well, don't ruin that for me because I'll borrow that off you next. Okay. Uh, The next story, The Legend of Newt Brody by Paul Dini and Dustin Nagoyan. A The Villains of Gotham Speak documentary style about the one henchman they each hired who was the absolute worst at his job, constantly screwing up their plans. Oh, well done where I stole this from. That's actually a synopsis. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a really cute story from Paul Dini. Uh, Newt Brody is this truly inept henchman that ends up working for Mr. Freeze and the Mad Hatter and everything else. Um, when we get to the Mad Hatter, you've got Dormouse and uh, whatever. Who've we got? Hatter, her, and Dormouse. And Tweedledee. Isn't and she? Well, we know about Tweedledee. Oh, yeah. but isn't she a Spider-Man villain? I don't know. The March her from Alice in Wonderland. Does Spider-Man and Batman not just swap? Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, yeah. So they all tell this story, but it turns out it's every single member of the Bat family is pretended to be Newt Brody at some point. Yeah. It, it, I thought it was an interesting ending because they're going for the whole plot twist thing. Yeah, and it would worked. Have, I think the story would have worked either way. It would have been quite interesting to have a henchman who's just so who's incredibly just inept for yeah. no other reason than he's just incredibly inept. Yeah, that would have been quite cool. But yeah, I, I, I like that one. I thought it was a Paldini, cute little Paldini story. Yeah. Especially with Damien at the end di- uh, dressing as Newt Brody Jr. Yeah. I, I don't love or hate Damien, but that was cute. Yeah. Oh, that, was, that, that made me smile. Yeah, so and, and, and Dustin Nugent's artwork is perfect for it as well. They work yes. so well together. Yeah, that is a that is a nice little cute story. Uh, return to... Oh, no, I've missed one, sorry. The Batman's Designed by Warren Ellis and Becky Cloonan. Batman pursues a pack of technologically enhanced mercenaries into a warehouse where they think they've trapped him. But because this is Bat-God, he yeah. got there first <laughs> and he planted explosions and stuff all around the room so that he can take these people out without laying a finger on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I it's wasn't what, overly fond of this one. I like Becky Cloonan's art. The artwork is great in it. Yeah. Um, even with her more cartoony style, Cloonan does a great job on whenever she works on Batman. Yeah, she does. But her run on Punisher was brilliant. Granted, she didn't she draw it, that, yeah, yeah. but she did a great run on the Punisher. Um, My problem with this was the ending, where Batman confronts the main bad guy and says, I'm already dead. I'm trapped in this place and all I do is haunt the living. No! Being Batman gives him life. Uh, that's that's an interesting uh, connection from someone who defends Tom King's run, because I've just read an issue where he says that he's already a dead man and that allows him to be Batman because he's more free. See, I don't remember that. Uh, uh, maybe when I reread it, I'll actually agree with you. <laughs> On a monthly basis, I'm loving it. <laughs> right, okay. You know, you read it, you put it away. Well, in all fairness, you forget what you have for breakfast, so you could probably forget what happened in last month's Tom King's Batman. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Do I know you? Why are we here? That is a, a very valid point. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I've forgotten <laughs> entire podcast that I've been on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the, the amount you do, that's probably that likely. Is, that yeah. is valid. Well, no, I wasn't overly a fan of that one. And I, I question the well, inclusion of Warren Ellis in the creative team. Yeah, but... uh, the story felt incredibly Warren Ellis. Um, mm. And I've never I've never been a fan of Super Bat God. 
even what's considered to be super back god with the Morrison run, he was always thinking on the spot. Yes, because the implication here is he's guided into this place in the waterfront. So he set this up specifically for this. Which is more believable than he's just weaponized everywhere. Yeah, it is. It is a, It is acceptable that he's been there before and then he's guided them here so he can take them out. Yeah. But that relies on him being able to control them perfectly as to where they go. What if, at the last possible minute, there'd been a change in traffic light um, they'd ram that light and gone left instead of right. Well, don't be daft. He changes the, the traffic oh, lights. Right, yeah. <laughs> and does he have the little green men climb on each other and have a fight with each other? In Gotham City, does that happen? Uh, or only in Metropolis? Only in Metropolis, yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. So uh, that, one, that was the first one I thought was weak sauce, but you know, that's just me. Uh, Return to Crime Alley by Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting, a direct sequel to O'Neill's classic There Is No Hope in Crime Alley from Detective Comics 457, in which Leslie Tompkins takes Batman to task for his addiction to violence, which in her mind perpetuates the horror that birthed him. Go on, because I know this was your first week, Sars. Well, oh, it wasn't the first. It was the one that stood out the most. Oh, uh, right, okay. It, it, it's got a very similar vibe to the Kevin Smith one, where I think it's, it's, it feels outdated. Hmm. Um, the Steve Epton's artwork in it is fantastic. Although Leslie Tompkins now looks like Aunt May. Well, I wouldn't start my gritty story with Leslie Tompkins shouting in a full splash page. Well, you know. Because uh, it doesn't even do shock. Like you said, it just looks like Aunt May's just burnt something in the oven. Yeah. Um, But it felt, it felt... So not only did it feel a bit outdated, but it felt weird in that Batman just beats these kids up. Hmm. He doesn't scur them off. He doesn't warn them. He doesn't slap them around. He beats the shit out of these kids. Yeah, and it doesn't even work as well as it did in There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Because in There There Is No Hope in Crime Alley has that entire scene where they pull the gun on him and he says, you dare pull a gun on me here on this night. And he kicks the crap out of him. And you kind of get the impression that that is because they've done that to him on that evening and he wouldn't normally do that. And it seems to me that Denny O'Neill has took the wrong lesson from his own story. Mm. So his interpretation of Batman in this story is he is just a ball breaker. Yeah. As opposed to the detective that he himself brought back to prominence in the 1970s. Yeah, and I think it kind of not fell apart, but when you get to the end, it's like, no, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. And then you end your story, then it's like, what? Yeah. I, I felt that there is a sequel to There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Mike W. Barr wrote it in the 1980s, and it was better than this. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of disappointing that that was a Denny O'Neill And it's story. not even... In Detective a Thousand as well, it's not even celebratory. You're no. dehumanizing. It's, it's Batman's a thug. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and it's I, no, I, I I was not a fan of that one, which is a shame because I wanted to like the the Denny O'Neill story. Uh, speaking of Denny O'Neill Adams, uh, he draws the next story, Heretic, by Chris, written by Christopher Priest. Two of the biggest powerhouse writers and artists in the comic book industry work together <laughs> on a story featuring Batman, helping a young man escape from Ra's al Ghul's League of Assassins, who then turned up in Gotham dead. Batman travels to Tibet with a message for the League. And that message is, um, do this again and I'll find you, basically. Because they're saying that Bruce Wayne corrupted them by having his wallet nicked. How is that Bruce's fault? Uh, <laughs> it's it's an interesting idea, just not very well set up. 
the whole idea that money corrupts and all that is, yeah, is, is valid. It, it's not new, and for someone who works for Rachel Gould, that's that's an interesting approach to do it. Mm. But yeah, just because he got robbed. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of Neil Adams' art? Uh, I really like it in this, actually. I do. Especially, I, I, I thought we were going to have a fight about that. but No, especially that first bit where him and Bruce and Gordon are at the crime scene. Yeah, where Bruce Wayne and Commissioner Gordon. It flows really well. And one of the things I've noticed about Adams since he did Batman Odyssey, was it? Yeah, that was absolutely crazy. He's got this weird 3D effect going mm. on, which he overuses, but he uses it really well in this. Yeah, and then, and then you've got Batman shows up and it's Dick Grayson. Yeah, which you know, okay, fair enough. But it was, hmm, I was lukewarm on that one. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It didn't stand out as a good or a bad one, and I think it's notable only because Neil Adams draws it. Yeah, it had it had a weird structure. Yeah, because it, it has chapters. Yeah, in a short story. Yeah, it's, what is it? Six eight pages. It's not very long. Anyway. I, 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 I did like the ending where it's basically he finds the bad guys and they just yeah we did do it this is why yeah and Batman's uh, well don't do it again or I'll beat you up <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't expecting you to admit to it so willingly uh, <laughs> I forgot this was only eight pages <laughs> where, where were you five pages ago <laughs> uh, the next story is I know by uh, by Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev the creative team behind Scarlet take a unique future look at Batman and the Penguin. The Penguin comes to an elderly wheelchair-bound Bruce Wayne to tell him of the time he learned his secret identity and to explain why he never did anything with that information. I actually I actually quite like this one for a Bendy story. I thought this was a, 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 quite a clever little story. The fact that they're all all the rogues are arguing over who Batman is and who he could possibly be and who's got the money to do this. And he's okay. just sat there quietly going got to be Bruce Wayne and it's just as simple as that he figures it out as simple as that because I know the Penguin back in the older uh, detective comics was quite an important figure mm. when it only because of the TV show well more, more when it was noir yeah. and he was in the crime when they boss reinvented him as a crime boss and the runner of um, whatever his club was called yeah I liked the him that iceberg line yeah, yeah that's the one um, so I, I know he is quite important to the history of it but has he ever actually been this smart and methodical He's been this smart, but not really... Well, he's not really a detective in this, though, is he? It's just kind of, they're all discussing it, and their ideas actually lead him to the conclusion that yeah, well, it could only he, be Bruce Wayne. He doesn't find out. He more just thinks yeah. and is right. Yeah, and then he... Because he, he kind of second-guesses himself about well I'm gonna arm to arm to burn and I'm I'm gonna go and bomb the shit out of Way Manor. Yeah. But if I do that and I'm wrong, things are not gonna go well for me. And so because of that he just leaves him alone. Which I quite liked that he, he knows but he doesn't really yeah. have the courage of his convictions. But I mean that logic doesn't really follow when it's like what if, you know, he bombs somewhere else? And they end up being Batman. And he's, <laughs> he, he, it doesn't. Yeah, you, you've this got only the, his logic only works because, because he he's is right. accidentally right about it. Yeah, that is true. But I still and, and I like the ending where Bruce electrocutes him. <laughs> look, this does play into the whole Batgod thing that like Batman's like I knew all along. 
And I knew you were too cowardly to <laughs> do anything with really, that information. That really only works over Batman just to play the long game. Yeah, that, but again, but his thing. logic may accidentally be right. Yeah, how does Batman know when the Penguin figured it out purely by fluke yeah. and he just happens to be right? Also, let's say, uh, so he electrocutes him and goes, oh, good talk. And it's all, ha, ha, yeah, you showed him. <laughs> what happens tomorrow when now that the Penguin does definitely know, he doesn't just wheel his... Bruce's wheelchair off the bloody cliff. <laughs> that would be a funny sequel. Yeah. Just a one-page sequel. This story only ends because that story ends on that panel. <laughs> Penguin's going to come back tomorrow. Ah, yeah, but see, what you don't see is Terry McGuinness stood behind him. Oh, oh yeah, so yeah, So that's, yeah. that's fair enough, isn't it? Uh, the next one, The Last Crime in Gotham, is by Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones. Superstar writer Jeff Johns and famed artist Kelly Jones tell a future story where the future family of Batman and Robin uh, Batman and Catwoman sorry face off in battle with the family of the Joker and Harley Quinn some actually lovely colouring work yeah in this one uh, take a leave Kelly Jones but I've always really liked him I think he's, he's I've grown to really like him great yeah well back when he did Detective Comics in Nightfall era yeah. I was like, Ew. well, I really liked his stuff. Yeah, as I've got older, I've really grown to love because it. Because they did, I mean, he's, he's John Paul's a bit wonky, but because he did the character as well with a tall, thin guy yeah. with a mask and guns yeah, yeah. and a big hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, him, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I really grew to like Kelly Jones. And I think what's really weird about Kelly Jones is back in the, the, the day he was the macabre one. And now, with this really lush colour scheme, he looks like a conventional artist. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? In comparison uh, to Alex Maleev. A bizarre purring, actually, I thought. Mm. Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I would have liked to have seen him re- re-team with Doug Mensch, but the- for all of that, I actually thought this was quite a cool story. Yeah, I really liked this one. It doesn't have an interesting twist, but it does at the same time. No, it, it's, about, it's about that old familiar idea that your family is what you make it. Yeah. Now it is. And this is Batman's family. And not only that, but now that they've completely wiped out crime, Mm -hmm. the last gift that the Joker could do was to kill himself and his family. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. I thought it was a nice little Jeff Johns story, that. And uh, some really good career best artwork from Kelly Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant colouring as well. Uh, The Precedent by James Tinian IV and Alvaro Martinez Bueno. The team of James Tinian IV and Alvaro Martinez return to Detective Comics after the highly successful Rebirth run. In a story of the night, Bruce Wayne made the decision to bring Dick Grayson into his dark world, ending with the classic candlelight oath. Way to ruin the ending. (laughs) Spoilers, dude. But anyway, yeah, this is Bruce and Alfred discussing whether or not to allow Dick into Batman's world and Alfred actually arguing, well, it's a bit late for that. Well, because Dick himself argues because he was eavesdropping. Yeah, he was hanging up on the um, the candle arbor. Which is Dick. The chandelier. Yeah. Yeah, which is quite nice. And that's only a, a little four-page story, but that's that's quite a nice one as well. Five yeah. pages. That's a nice little story as well about the is making the decision to bring yeah, Dick into it's, it. And it's a celebration of Dick Grayson, who is just as much... Part probably made his debut in Detective Comics, well, yeah. didn't he? But not yeah. only that, he's, he's he's just as much the kind of ethos as Batman as Batman is. Yeah, you know, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a good one. Batman's Greatest Case by Tom King, Tony Daniel, and Joel Jones. 
groundbreaking Batman writer Tom King is joined, you can tell I didn't write this, <laughs> joined by Tony Daniel and Joel Jones, who share artistic duties on the story. Presented using parallel story threads, Bruce Wayne visits his parents' grave, whilst Batman assembles his entire coalition of ally- allies around him. To take a photograph. Yes. That he, puts, grave, that he yeah. puts on the grave. Uh, I liked this one because I thought the dialogue between Richard Grayson and Damien was funny. Is he Dick anymore? Is he Rick now? Oh, because Damien calls him Richard throughout this entire story. I know, but this can happen whenever, can't oh, it? Right, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, he's Rick now. Right. And there are the night wings okay. that he isn't. But if Doomsday Clock is set a year ahead, then he should be Dick again. Okay. Uh, whatever. Uh, I like this one. Again, it's another little short one. I like the dialogue. I think the dialogue's quite funny in it, even though by using it as captions, you sometimes can't tell who's saying what. Well, that was my issue with it, and it's one of my issues with King as a writer, yeah. and why I think he's just as bad as Bendis, uh, in that there is no... Like, there's no difference. Difference. You can't tell the difference between certain I I think that you can tell the difference between Damien and Nightwing. No. Yeah, you can. I think the only... I thought you were just going to follow that up. No, you can't. Yeah, no. you can. No, you can't. For me, <laughs> and again, the the whole just having them all as captions does not help. Yeah. They all... Every single character sounds the same. Every single character talks the same, Every apart from the bloody dog. <laughs> I was just going to say, ace the bat out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> argument there, Andrew. <laughs> Oh. You did your debate, your debate club proud though, didn't you? <laughs> you made me ribs hurt. <laughs> Good. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah, so the, the, the characters all sound the same. And the only time I could actually work out was when either they talk to each other by name. Yeah, they reference the name, yeah. Or it flashes back and they're having a conversation. So I can kind of work the pieces together on who's talking now. Mm. But yeah, there is so much dialogue. It felt like Kevin Smith. All of it, all of it sounds the same. So it just sounded like a schizophrenic person talking to themselves. I quite liked some of the dialogue, particularly Richard and Damien. I couldn't stand the dialogue. Okay. Did Joel um, Jones not, draw not, the bits not, where he's at the graves? Not to compare it again, but currently reading Batman or Robin okay. by Grant Morrison, um, who created Damien, Damien yeah. who is writing Dick and Damien. Funny how they didn't talk how they're doing that with this. And that's the character, the writer who created it. Okay. Right. It, it, it's not me comparing, it's just why are they all snarky smart horses who talk exactly the same? It's the Josh Whedon influence. Well, yeah. No, that's the, the for good and ill. Joss has been incredibly influential. And not everyone can pull it off. Mm. Uh, your mileage may vary. I liked some of this. I did like Nightwing keeps saying I was Batman. And everyone going, oh, shut up. Again, snarky smarts. Oh, all right, fair enough. I see your point. Uh, did you like the photograph? No, it was... <laughs> I don't... Why was Alfred there? I don't... <laughs> Alfred wasn't there, was he? <laughs> You know, I don't remember if Tony Daniels' there. artwork. I don't know what happened to him after R.I.P. Battle for the Cowl. Yeah, but something happened to his artwork in the New Fifty Two that, for me, just looked bad. Right. Okay. He's going for super stylized, but it's it's almost as if he learned to draw style before he actually learned how to draw. See, I don't mind it. It's all right. 
I don't dislike Catwoman it. Catwoman looks. What's going on with Catwoman's head? Uh, that uh, well, her eyes don't line up either. Yeah, and her, her mask is wrong. But also, I don't know some of these people, which is quite sad. That's that's Jason Todd, the Red Hood, right? Yeah. That's Batwoman. Yeah. Kathy Kane. That's Batgirl, presumably now Barbara Gordon again. Yeah, because she's got a new costume. Nightwing. Yeah. Dick Grayson. Alfred. The Batman. That's Damien that's Robin. That's Damien, yeah. That's Catwoman. Yeah. That's Tim Drake Robin. Yeah. That's Duke Thomas. Yeah. The Signal. The Signal, right. That's Ace the Bat-Hound. That is. No, he talks who... differently. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does, yeah. And who are these three women? Well, that's Huntress at the back. Right. So is that the Huntress of the post-crisis universe? Or oh, we're... which Huntress is she? I don't know. All right, the okay. one, the one that isn't Batman's daughter, I'm assuming. All right, okay. And that is that Cassandra Kane, who used to be Batgirl. No, because that's actually Batgirl. So who's who's that then? Spoiler. No, that is that not spoiler. That's what I, I don't know who those two women are. I think that's Cassandra Kane, but I could be wrong. Oh yeah, because that's Kate Kane. Yeah. So that's what. So I don't know who that one is. I yeah. thought she was Raven. Oh, yeah. At first. But, yeah, she may be spoiled. Also, this splash page looks awful in print. It's all right. Well, no. I mean, Batman's lost all of his middle half. Oh, right. You mean the, the binding. Yeah. The yeah. binding you, does no favour to this. You can't read the this. whole thing. Yeah, all right. And then after taking all that picture, he just leaves it on his parents' graves in the rain. Hey, cheers, Bruce. Well, again, that's, it's, it's a bizarre story. It's a bizarre setup. <laughs> he gathers all of them onto a roof just to take a photo, take that, a he's, photo. that he's going to take to, to get... To his printed, yeah. So Batman's got to print this photograph. Yeah. How does he do that? Does the Bat computer do that? Has he got to yeah, take it? Has, has, he, has he got to take in. it to a proper shop? To yeah, like, oh, he does it himself. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Bruce Wayne. Can you uh, develop this photo? <laughs> no, he would walk into the photo booth and go, I'm Batman, develop this. <laughs> no, he would do it. That'll take 24 you know, hours, Mr. Man. They've invented these things called computers, right? Yeah, well, and from will, yeah. that computer, you can print to a printer, right? So, he could go into Asda and do does it. Does the Batcave have a printer? Yes! Of course the Batcave has a printer. Where do you think he gets all these readouts from? Well, well, okay, so how does he replace the ink? I don't think... I know how bloody pedantic <laughs> ink can be. That if you would get, be if a you, funny If issue. you get, like, you know, your printer only does 57x <laughs> cartridges, but you buy the 57f. Oh, no, you, you are out of magenta. Like, could you imagine Batman? I'm like, uh, hi, yeah, is, is this the is this uh, technical support? The, the, the HP helpline. I'm trying to find the right ink cartridge for my bat printer. <laughs> yes, this is Batman. And <laughs> you're just getting infuriated and keep putting different cartridges. No, I am the goddamn Batman. Work. That would actually be a funny story. All right, take uh, it to Asda. So, it, yeah, it's the Bat HP desk jet. Uh, <laughs> no, no, well, I, don't, I don't know what the serial number is. Alfred installed it. <laughs> this is Cave One. <laughs> the printer upstairs in, in Wayne Live. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's called Wayne Live. Oh, yeah, after, he's fi- after he's finally got it sorted out, the Bat computer won't connect to the Bat Fi. <laughs> Yeah, does the Wi-Fi work down in the cave? Oh, do they have to have a separate... Yeah, does does separate Bruce Wayne pay for two yeah. Wi-Fi routers? He can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funnier. Um, Mikhail, uh Michael Janine did a poster, which is fine. Yeah. I like Mikhail Janine. Um Double page poster by Jason Fabok and which Brad Which is Anderson. exceptional, but gets... Destroyed by again, the yeah. The binding doesn't allow you to see everything. That's that's pretty good. Uh, Amanda Connor did one of Bruce's parents falling through the sky, uh, and Batman standing on a cliff, no, on a gargoyle. It's it's good. 
but the actual the way she's drawn it, it makes Bruce uh, sorry Martha and Thomas Wayne look like they're flying it looks like they're doing can you read my mind yeah as, also, are they know, as a brain splatter all over the floor are they supposed to be, <laughs> to be the constellations as well I, I think so yeah they, they don't exactly it's... align to the figures do no they? it's like as he named as he got a constellation named Martha and Thomas I, he can afford it I guess yeah, yeah. alright because the pearls look very much like a constellation it, 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 it's, it's a nice image it's just a little difficult to translate yeah it's a nice idea um, it just comes across as can you read my mind then, <laughs> yeah <laughs> thinking of Jackie. <laughs> um, back into the left. Yeah, back into the left. Um, finally, uh, Medieval by Peter Thomasi and that Doug Mann. Peter's case taking a fucking photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just occurred to me what that issue's called. What the... Dis- Oh, God. Uh, Medieval <laughs> by Peter Thomasi and Doug Manke, appearing in DC's comic book continuity for the very first time. A new and mysterious version of the Arkham Knight will be debuting in a story that looks at Batman's encounters with his villain and throws his career through the Arkham Knight's eyes. But the Knight's scheme remains to be seen. Um, I like the splash pages. Doug Manke has grown immeasurably as an artist. I didn't used to like to somebody who's actually really good. Mm. But this is just set up for the story that they're going to tell going forward, isn't it? It's and it's fine. Yeah, it's know? it's a parallel to the story Tomasi did in Action Comics. Yeah, uh, which so. which was a fantastic little short story full of big pinups. Yeah, uh, and I really dug this one. And I suppose this works as its own story. Yeah, and also is a better teaser than Bendis's trailer was in Action a Thousand. Very true. Yeah, I, I thought this one was fine. Yeah, yeah. it's leading it into Action. Up. Action Knight, yeah, um, Detective Thousand and One, who has to be a different character because yeah. in the game he's Jason Todd. All right, so he can't be Jason Todd here. Yeah. All right, no, that's fair enough then. So all told, what did you think of Detective Comics One Thousand? Comparatively, com- mm. comparing it to Action, because they are they are comparable. Yeah, they yeah. are essentially the same thing. Yeah, um, the book end. Action Comics felt like a celebration mm. in that two of the stories in there were actual celebrations. Mm. Um, whereas this didn't feel like this. This this was a, a, a different mix. This was a jam. And the the thing with doing that is some of these were hit and miss. Mm. At least the not so good stories in action were still celebratory stories about the character. Yeah. Whereas these don't feel it. And as, as, as we mentioned, some of them are, are quite the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, you're dehumanising the character you're supposed to be celebrating. See, on the whole, I enjoyed this. I like you, I didn't think it was as good as the Action Comics 1000. Okay, right. But it was. I enjoyed it for the most part. I thought it's a book that I spent $10 on that I didn't feel like I'd wasted my money. Yeah, this was was a read, read, but quality aside, uh, it wasn't as good a celebration as Action was. And I think a, a thousandth issue that it should be a celebration. Yeah, and my my big complaint is the the choice of creative team was more along the lines of oh for the the companion. Yeah, well, we're going to get the companion down now. Right. Okay. The choice of the creative teams was more along the lines of who's hot rather than people that I think yeah. perhaps should have been there. But that's fine. They want well, to sell the book. Yeah. So uh, especially when you're doing that in the companion piece anyway. Yeah. 
that's fine. Uh, one of the things I didn't think was as good as the Action Comics version was Detective Comics 80 Years of Batman the Deluxe Edition, mm. which they did in exactly the same trade dress as Action, which is nice. Yep. So I'm fully expecting that we'll get one of these later on. Uh, the stories in this one all felt obvious. And there's not a lot of focus on, on early stuff, really. Right, okay. And the choices seemed a bit weird. Now, you've got a Crimson Avenger story leading the book off from Detective Comics 20. Some of the the essays are nice. Obviously, you're going for the case of the Chemical Syndicate because it's the first actual full Batman story, but a story that has been printed many, 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 many times. But... Within a this, yeah. it's one that's necessary, I guess. Yeah. yeah, okay, I suppose so. A Slam Bradley story by Siegel and Schuster, which was nice. Mm. But then again, the first appearance of Robin has been published many, many times. But again, you know, you're celebrating. But I think my issue with this was a lot of these have been touched upon before in other collections. You're going to get that issue with a character like Batman, though, aren't you? Like, yeah. if, if you're going to do this hardback for, say, Wolverine or Venom, what stories do you collect that haven't already been collected? That's, that it, that's what I mean. I didn't want to be churlish about it. But I felt like the Superman one, the Action Comics one, had a more varied palette to it. Mm. And I wonder how much of that is I genuinely think that Golden and Silver Age Superman stories are more interesting than Golden and Super Silver Age Batman stories. Because the Golden Age Batman was very much the protector of the status quo. Yeah. He was, yes sir, no sir, three bags full, sir, lawman. Even in his earliest stories, he's working with the police by and large, isn't mm. he? Whereas Superman is very much, I don't give a crap about the law, I care about social What's justice. Right? Yeah. And Superman is quite willing to shut down a mine where the guy is abusing his workers. Yeah. And he's quite willing to throw wife beaters into a wall. And he's quite willing to shut down slums where the slumlord isn't looking after yeah, his tenants yeah. as he should do. And he's got Clark Kent on his side, writing these social pieces yeah. about what the injustices of the world. But I also think, uh, from reading some of the Supermans from that era in that collection, is one of my, genuinely one of my single favourite comics of all time, is is the one where um, it's Superman's birthday, and Batman pulls a Batman prank pulls on him, and he, he goes crazy, well, and that's he what kills I mean. both of them. And it's, it's fun, and it's fun Batman as well. Mm. But even, that's what I mean, when you get into the Silver Age, and we get a slightly, slightly sillier, Superman lends itself to that kind of story better. Because you yeah. can do science fiction stories with Superman, they don't seem out of place. Well, they, they're not overly out of place with Batman. This is a character who went to an alternate dimension, went to another planet. <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, you know, when, when he went to Planet X, and, and yeah. there was the Zeranar. I mean, it's nice to see like the case of the missing evidence, which isn't a Batman story, and the Commandos are coming isn't a Batman story, and the origin of Powwow Smith isn't a Batman story. Well, that's what they do with these, is they, they tell the first story of characters who yeah, they viewed in it. Yeah, made an appearance. I don't know that they get away with Powwow Smith nowadays. Right, okay. It, it was nice that they included him. Uh, the Flying Batman is the cover, but it's impossible but true. The Land of Lost Years, they don't actually include that story. And then there's a Martian Manhunter story. And I, I felt as well that they included too many stories that weren't Batman. First appearance of Batwoman is a nice story. Oh, that issue's great. That's the one where they, they're in the cave and they think they're going to die. Yeah. Uh, and again... Uh, Robin dies at dawn. Which Robin is dies at great, dawn. Um, wacky story where he goes to another planet. Yeah, Batman meets Batmite. Batman's, Batmite's a brilliant character. Is I, he, though? I, I love Batmite. Uh, the first appearance of Clayface. 
which was nice to see. Clayface, Two-Face, No-Face. <laughs> the Mystery of the Menacing Mask, the million-dollar debut of Batgirl, again, can't help but think that we've seen that quite a lot. But like you say, yeah, the... They're going to be what's his You names. are limiting yourself when you're doing mm. this type of thing. Challenge of the Man Bat is here representing Neil Adams, but weirdly not a story he did with Denny O'Neill. So that, that confused me. Uh, there's a Manhunter story by uh, Walt Simonson and Archie Goodwin. Manhunter is held in high esteem. So it's... Um, I mean, I can't help but think Manhunter needs to be reprinted somewhere on its own. It's in one of those Archie Goodwin hardcovers, I think. Right. Uh, they do print There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Okay. Which I suppose is a nice counterpoint to that story being in Issue yeah, 1000. Yeah. Although There Is No Hope in Crime Alley is a much better story because uh, Batman's quite human in it as opposed to being a thug. <laughs> yeah. uh, Danny O'Neill wrote, uh, writer, writer, wrote um, a text piece and then obviously we have to represent Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. In this case it's Deadshot Ricochet because it's the only single issue they did. Right, okay. Yeah, the two-part Hugo Strange story leads into the Malay Penguin. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Deadshot Ricochet, and then you've got Sign of the Joker, Laughing Fish. Right, So yes. it's, the, it's the only one they can really put in here. Um, Batmite's New York Adventure is here only because it's got Marshall Rogers' artwork. Michael Golden artwork, sorry. Uh, another text piece. Uh, to Kill a Legend has been reprinted many, many times from Detective Comics 500, but again, it's kind of hard to argue its inclusion. The Night of Thanks But No Thanks by uh, Harlan Ellison. This was interesting. Do you remember when we did our great Batman stories that don't get the love they deserve? Yeah. I had this on my list. Right, okay. And then I pulled it off after I reread it. (laughs) Didn't actually include it. Because I wasn't entirely convinced that it was a great Batman story. This felt like a Daredevil story. Yeah. Right, okay. It felt like this would have worked much better for Daredevil. Is Daredevil not just Batman coloured red? Well, he was, but he isn't anymore. You know, right. a bit too hot. So. Nice to see Greg Rucker's run getting uh, represented. His f- the first issue of his run from Detective 742, hindered by the shitty colour scheme, which they were doing at the time. Yeah. Two-tone colours. I wouldn't mind seeing that reprinted and recoloured. Right. But the story's good. It's a good Greg Rucker story. There's a new story, Batman Mortality. Not as interesting as the new story that was in the Action Comics one. Because mm. it basically was never finished, so it's the script pages and the art. Right, that seems moderately so, easy. Yes. So they didn't actually finish it. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't read this yet. Because so they did know. a similar thing with, with the last Len Wein Swamp Thing story, but they actually did a story out of that. Yeah. Whereas this one, you know, it's not quite a story. And then Detective Comics 27 has a retelling oh, of the, the case of the Brian chemical syndicate. Yeah. Brian Hitch. And whoever wrote this. Who wrote this? I don't know. Brad Meltzer. Right. He was a thing for about five minutes. He was, yeah. I mean, he still is in the novel well, world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in comics. And then a Scott Snyder, oh, Sean Murphy story. Detective, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. So, which was fine. The Scott so Murphy. So it feels like there's not a lot from the last. 10, 20 years then. No, it's like the, the over... the um, And then there's a poem by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's like the, I was before I was wrong when I said there's not a lot of early stuff. There's more early stuff than later stuff. And then they kind of jump through yeah, 70s, it's like, 80s. There's one from the 90s and then yeah. two from last year. Yeah, and it's like they, they skim over the entire last 20 years with a story from Batman and Detective Comics by Greg Rucker 
and then a story from the new 52 era especially when two of the issues in this two of the stories in it are from the same issue yeah so I, I kind of I didn't feel that this was overly representative of of either Batman or Detective Comics hmm. weirdly it's like should they perhaps not have put one of the Green Arrow stories in that Alan Moore did Right, okay. would, would that not have been a nice inclusion? Yeah. Um, some of the Batman, uh, Batman, Batgirl, Robin backup strips. Right. Some of the, you know, was it representing Detective Comics or was it representing Batman? But, and I don't think it ultimately ended up doing both. See, with action, <coughs> action is Superman and was yeah, from the very yeah, yeah. first. So Superman span out of action. Yeah. yeah. So Whereas action. Detective existed for 26 issues before Batman showed up. <laughs> right. So it, it becomes, it's a rather odd collection mm. that I wasn't, I did not like it, and I, it's nice to have it, but it's one of those things where I've got all these stories somewhere else. Yeah. Pretty much. Already collected in either the greatest Batman stories, or Batman the greatest stories, or Batman in the 50s, 60s, 70s, etc, etc. So, you know, it is what it is. You've not got that yet, have you? Uh, I've not, no. You can read that uh, if you want. I'm not overly in a rush now, actually, yeah. Well, it'll look good next year, Action Comics one. It will. They, they, they do um, look I'm, nice. I'm a, I'm a sucker for trade dress. Yeah. What's the next one of them going to be? What's the next boot that celebrates 80s? Is it Wonder Woman? More than likely, <coughs> yeah. yeah. All right. But okay. it's... So those those hardbacks are the 80th anniversary, which happen to coincide upon the 1,000th issue. Yeah. Will that work for Wonder Woman? I don't know, because she's not had a comic that's run for 1,000 consecutive issues. Well, yeah. technically, neither is Detective or Action now. Well, it still has 1,000 issues under yeah. the banner of Detective, or does Wonder Woman? I, do you know? I don't know. I don't right. know enough about it to, to be able to say. Yeah. So there's other characters that will be celebrating 80 years... But they like maybe Aquaman, maybe. Thousand, but, yeah. yeah, there's no Aquaman a thousand. Maybe they just struck lucky twice and no, yeah. they won't. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Anyway, that about wraps it up for God, it as Ulan Kalufid once said. Uh, we'll be back at some point. If this was regular, we'd be doing Criminal next week. <laughs> Summer, Christmas. Yeah, there's an alternate universe out there where next week we're doing that two-part Criminal issue by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. So just uh, power up your cosmic treadmills for that. Yeah, and go and go and visit the alternate <laughs> universe where that happened. And we will be back summer, possibly if you're home for Maybe, a bit. Yeah. Well, after you've moved to Manchester, Manchester if that happens, our ah, kid, our ah, kid. Yeah. Well, you're not staying in Stoke, <laughs> only because you don't want to drive there. And it's a dump. It's all right. No, it's oh, not. Oh, because Wigan's not a dump. Wigan's lovely. Oh, because Manchester's not a dump. Yeah, but Manchester's a, a cultural hub. Everywhere's a dump. I went to Rome and it was a dump. <laughs> There's people everywhere making and places where people are dumps. Yeah, there's people everywhere ruining <laughs> otherwise nice places. <laughs> yeah. Bloody people. God, I hate them. That's equality, isn't it? To hate everybody equally. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, well, probably summer, but obviously we don't know what. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see you then. Uh, um, have a good time. Be good to each other. I'm Everything's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, be, be good, all those people that we hate equally. <laughs> We don't hate anyone. <laughs> Not really. Uh, so, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Too much effort to help. Everything's going to work out all right. <laughs> it does. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.